love Sephora. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty high on the list. It's like um, family, friends, work, Sephora. <laughs> no, she doesn't even bother. No, <laughs> but you're, maybe your cat somewhere up there. Yeah. Um, let me just tell your family. Then. Sephora. Let's just say Sephora is pretty high up there. Um, it's pretty respectably high, and so today. I um I want to treat myself, <laughs> treat yourself 2015 last part of the year mm-hmm. um, for all the Parks and Ran facts out there, Parks and Parks and Rec fans mm-hmm. out there, and so I, I already knew that I want this perfume, um, and Zion has already admitted that if I ever become broke, I can <laughs> blame it all on her because she introduced me to very expensive perfumes that I am half embarrassed to buy. Slash, now I need them in my life. Anything less is, is trivial. Nothing touches his body. But... <laughs> Except Hermes, in case well, our and... listeners wondering. Yeah. And hey, and, <laughs> hey, and if Hermes wants to do a sponsorship with us, that'd be cool too. Just putting that out there. That's true. I somehow don't think they will because they don't seem to, they don't sponsor things. But but I wear Hermes almost. Oh my god, I kind of wear it exclusively. I was gonna say, oh my god, um, I'm really in love with. I think his name is John Claude Allen or something. Yeah, Elena. Who does this line? Anyway, so I beeline into the store because, mind you, for the last few months, I've just been taking samples of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'll go in, like, oh, what is this perfume? Oh, I guess I'll just try what it. Huh? Hermes. What is it? <laughs> Hermes. Oh, that smells great. Can I get a sample? And I go walk out. You know. Wear it, um, you know, go to a different Sephora, do the same. What? What is Hermes? <laughs> right. So finally, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm doing it. And actually, I messaged Zine earlier today. I was like, Zine, I'm going to do it. I'm going to. And you weren't awake or anything. I just missed you these messages. Yeah, it's okay. I wake up. I'm just like, oh, Liz is talking to me about perfume. Everything's right in the world. <laughs> I'm going to go do it. <laughs> so I go to the store and... um all right, you know, again, I beeline. I think, well, I'm here now. Might as well try some perfume. So I actually did try to pick up. I just started like getting swaps, swatches of other yeah. perfumes, and then I picked up uh, the Hermes perfume, and I picked up the like the tall one because I just love it. I'm like, I'm probably gonna wear this almost every day. It's worth my time to get the whole bottle instead of like the half bottle. And then I'm walking in the store, and there's something about being in Sephora that you just you're like, oh, I can just test this. I know. It's like a beautiful so. wonderland. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a dark-skinned woman. I was recently called the chocolate baby. So I'm a chocolate baby. Okay, also I have to say, and... just say for our listeners, if they're hearing <laughs> that phrase, Liz just sent me a message saying, someone called me a chocolate baby, and I freaked out. I was like, who the hell said this to you? Do I have to come and, like, you know, do something? Because I, I, I just, I was just like, without context, I was like... You were like, who do I have to fuck up? Yeah. Like, whoa, whoa, calm down. I think it was, um, it was just this older lady um, who just looked at me and said, you're a chocolate baby. And then she said that she prayed that her daughter would be a chocolate baby. And I guess she was just, she was obviously referring to my skin color. And saying that she, I guess she was trying to say she really likes my skin color and I uh-huh. reminded her of her daughter. But what she said instead was, oh, you were a chocolate baby. Was she anyway, as dark as you or, or lighter? Um, I'm guessing as dark as me. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't ask for that many details because I was like, oh, okay, 
um, can I, am I going to live? Can I leave the store? See, when you said it to um, me, I thought it was going to be some terrible cat calling like some, thing. Like, oh, hmm. I don't know. But as a chocolate baby, as a chocolate woman, uh, it can be very hard to find colors that match my skin yeah. color. Like that usually the darkest shade they go is still not dark enough for me. Um, and I get really depressed. But <clears throat> so I'm walking through and I go to the Lancome section and I notice they have like all of these darker colors. And apparently the Sephora rep told me that um, they actually added like 15 more colors or something. Mm-hmm. And so did Makeup Forever. So they've got a ton of skin color. Oh, sorry, options for darker skinned women, which is fantastic because I'm just personally happy that darker skin doesn't just mean like um i'm like beyonce's skin color which is and it's not the same thing about her skin color it's more so the fact that the spectrum stops at a very light stage because i'm not even i mean yeah i'm dark but i also know that there actually are darker shades than me and so it's really nice to see that actually expanded out as well which i guess also means that they people are finally realizing dark-skinned women buy products oh yeah and they also want a foundation i also want so that that's a positive thing too i was also gonna add like so i actually saw this picture on twitter a couple days ago Uh, someone took a photo of like there's this um the mark jacobs foundation um there's some sort of special set where they have every color and it is literally like 23 shades of pale and two shades of of, like you know medium brown and they're just like really really yeah and then we get you know food colors like it's like Honey, honey brown, chocolate, coffee, mocha. Yeah. Like those are that's what they call like the the options there. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm I'm not edible. I mean, maybe, but <laughs> not not in the store." I'm delicious. So, but... um yeah. Well, there's actually, I mean, there's so much interesting things going on with it because there's this interesting history of how people of color have been represented as being edible like and there's sort of this idea of like this way that diversity is literally something to be consumed that could be mm. bought or like um, devoured. Uh, there's actually this really great book about um, race in America in the 19th century and like how uh, figuring people colors bodies as being edible. But yeah. Also, which has the and greatest at the same time you can say, oh, I don't really want that. No, thank you. You can pass it by. And it's like, no, you can't choose what you want to eat. Yeah. And like we're not if you're using the same analogy, like we're not. Yeah, I have to just say this epigraph so the, of the book. So the book is called Racial Indigestion by Kyla Ozana Tompkins and has the greatest, like, epigraph. So, you know, like, when a lot of books begin with, like, this little, like, teaser quotation from some mm-hmm. form behind. And this, her, her yeah. teaser quotation for this 19th century American literature book is, I don't think you're ready for this jelly. Yes. I know. I was like, this is the best <laughs> epigraph I've ever seen to an uh... academic book ever. Um, yeah, I still remember when um, "bootylicious" became a word, like it became entered into mm-hmm. dictionary or something. People were really freaking out over it. So I'm at the store yeah. and I'm just like putting these skin colors on, and I I also thought it was remarkable because this is really I start off with the darkest one first because again usually that's like my go-to. Mm-hmm. If the darkest one, I mean usually they're not dark enough. This one was like way darker than me, and I was like, really? <laughs> and so I just started going down the line, and I was like, this is so cool, and the pigment was so. Um, so good. It was like really full coverage and I really liked it. And I was in a good mood. And then, so the lady 
you know, they're asking me if I need help. And then I say, actually, yeah, like, what's my color IQ? And, you know, like, what undertones do I have? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so, like, anybody who's been Sephora, Sephora or Ulta or any kind of store knows the worst slash best thing you could do is sit in their chair. <laughs> you know? We're like, oh, would, would you like me to put that on for you? Like, sure. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're there. They go get, like, 50 million products. And like, well, here's a you know, like a cleansing butter and the toner and then like the highlighter and then, and then you're like, wow, I need all of this in my life right now. I like, I look gorgeous and I need all of it or. I'm flaw. Actually, I did look, I do look flawless. Yeah. I still look flawless. Like it's pretty great. Um, I figured out my color IQ. I have uh, red undertones and very cool undertones. So I was very excited about that just to like, oh, I finally know what this is. And I've always thought I looked really red in pictures, but I just didn't know. Huh. I never thought of you looking red, but... Oh, it depends on... It. <clears throat> Sorry, what foundation I'm wearing or something. Oh, okay. I can show you a few pictures, but... It was really cool. I really liked it. Uh, oh, I was going to say that. Maybe because... I, the... I obviously spent more than I... No, actually, I didn't spend more than I meant to. I just changed what I bought, and I didn't buy everything. I took a picture mm-hmm. of it, and then I kind of tried to be responsible and say, like, okay, I will get this over time. Yeah, and when Liz sent me this <clears> photo, I was like, oh, actually, I know that there's some good dupes for some of this stuff, so hopefully yes. I can help Liz save a little bit of money, because, yes, uh-huh. I am guilty of introducing it to Hermes perfume, but... <laughs> oh, I was going to say that one thing I wonder... If they've expand, Lancome has expanded their foundation coloration uh, colors because I think Lapido Nyongo is one of the new faces of Lancome. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and she has her picture than you. was up there. Yeah, her picture was like next to the the stage, and honestly, it's just great. I think it made me feel like I could actually participate in the makeup scene mm-hmm. because I can honestly say, um, growing up, I, I. Uh, it was very hard to do makeup for, for more than one reason. So the first one would be is that my family income was so low that we didn't really have the kind of money to to make makeup or anything like that, like a necessity mm-hmm. kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So I just didn't have the money to participate in that kind of consumerism that allows you to buy makeup and experiment with things. So as a kid, I didn't really have that kind of stuff. Like I really didn't. Um, I barely even had, like, facial washes or anything. That was still, like, a um, whatever you use to wash your butt was what you're using to wash your face, basically. Sorry. And um, But but that aside, like, let's say I, you know, go to a friend's house or I go somewhere. Um, some When you're, like, when I was the only person of color in my friend circle, you know, like, we can't really share makeup. Nothing I they have is going to work on me. And if we go to a store, like, they don't have my skin color. And so you just kind of get excluded in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I say that not to, like, go, like, shame on you people who weren't excluded. It's just more of a, um exclusion by absence, by omission. Like, well, I guess that's what exclusion is, but... <laughs> as opposed to the other type of exclusion. But... Yeah, exposed to, like, get out of here. You're not welcome here. Um but yeah, like sort of this tacit, implicit exclusion, like you'll walk down the makeup aisle in the drugstore and none of the faces look like you. And Yeah. And I think that was hard for some of my friends to understand mm-hmm. because they would always think like, well, how come you're not playing with us? How come you're not doing this with us? How come you don't want to go to a makeup store with me? How come you don't want to go shopping with me? How come you don't want to go to the sleepover or, or whatever the case may be? And it's not because I didn't want to do those things, but... 
you know, like if I don't have the body type, like, like I have no real reason to be an American Outfitters or uh, any store that has like that strong perfume smell coming out of it. But, you know, um, I can't even remember all their names. It's just like, I just don't. Hollister. Hollister. I don't fit those stores. Like I'm, it's weird. I'm not quite plus size, but I'm not normal either. Like I don't, I don't know. Um, if maybe normal is not the right word. What this a, is true. Thank you. I know because that's like you. I'm not but, normal either. But I'm not skinny. I'm not like um, I'm not very skinny. But I've also noticed that the plus size brands I really start to love. Mm-hmm. Like I follow Gabby Fresh a lot. She's like very oh, she's body awesome. positive, super cute. But even um. Like, some, some 14s are still too large for me, but also it's not like I can go to Forever 21 and fit into their larges. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I really have to be careful what I buy. Anyway, I think we all have our different body stories. Like, someone has long torso, someone has short legs, and it makes it harder to fit in there. Okay, I got it. Um, but if I don't fit those things, and, like, I can't, I don't really want to go to those stores with you mm-hmm. if I know that I won't be able to work in any of them. I don't want to go shopping with you if I know that nothing's going to work. And then you trying to tell me that it's going to work when I know it's not isn't helpful either. So I also have plenty of friends who will also say things like, oh, but, you know, you're just being pessimistic. You should just go and try it out. And then, like, like I know that it's not going to work already because yeah. I've done this work. And you're not the first person who's tried to, like, make me feel like it's not going to work. I'm not. Yeah. So, like, those things happen. I think. In some point of life, people kind of try to manage that. So I was very happy going back to the present now to see see them make up and be able actually to try to actually be able to go like, oh, yeah, you know what? That color's not quite your fit. Let's go try the next one. And maybe let's go try the next one because usually when you're my skin color, it's like, well, uh, all right, I guess you're going to have to be ashy and a little, you like have that dry mm-hmm. color because that's the only dark we got. I was going to say that I think that for a long time, MAC was the only, like, high-end brand that had, like, a really inclusive range of colors, which is why mm-hmm. I think that, uh, mm-hmm. so in the makeup community online, like, it seems like the MAC coloration system is, like, the go-to, like, a sort of, like, the lingua franca of how people talk about their skin tones, like, I'm an NC20 or whatever like that. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know about MAC. I, My first, like, real black, dark skin conscious um, makeup experience was, like, Black Up Cosmetics, which is... Um, it's in France. It started in Paris, France, and they're only now starting to get stores in the U.S. I was gonna um, say, but I didn't know about Mac. Yeah, you could actually ask Vic about that because I remember her making a joke about um, her Mac color. Hmm. Vic is a friend I of ours in biophysics. I will try that out because again, now I I'm older, so I have more control over my money. I can afford. To participate in the kind of makeup things, and you could get more than and one. And I actually enjoy doing it. Wow. Yeah, I, I did. I got a fancy foundation, and I really like it. But but at the same time, I also feel weird about it. And that's not about the makeup. This is particularly about the makeup itself, and that I put it on. I looked really pretty, mm-hmm. and then all I could think of was like, I can't touch anything. I touched my shirt, and like it just kind of came off on my shirt, and it just felt really unworkable for me. So I definitely know that um, I usually don't wear foundation. That's probably why it kind of bothered me. And I'm probably mm-hmm. only going to wear it like on special occasions or when I need to look really fresh. 
I was gonna say though pictures were nice though yeah uh, <laughs> it was nice taking pictures if you're concerned about it coming off like not that I'm trying to push more products on you but you could try a setting spray mm, this is true and that's also a little frustrating because not frustrating but as she was putting all these products on my my skin and granted it looked very great all I could think about or one of the things I thought about rather was how this is gonna cost a lot of money so I came in for I looked at foundation but then you need to it's like the foundation makes your skin uh, all one tone. Yes, then you have to but like your skin contour isn't and blush one tone. and highlight and Exactly. So you have to it's like you the foundation makes your skin all one color and then use all the other products to re to bring out again um, different aspects of your face mm-hmm. and to really take advantage of how the light actually hits your face and what we know about that and that kind of chemistry. So there's a lot of work that kind of went into why they do things the way they do, but it also costs a lot. So not only the products themselves, but the brushes, uh, <laughs> there is this kind of makeup sponge. The beauty blender. The beauty blender, which is amazing. I, yeah, and, I it mean, is. it really helps you blend. It also uses less of your own makeup because if you just get like those little sponges, the cheat sponges, it'll actually absorb most of your yeah, makeup. It gets, it's a waste of so product. So you waste yeah. it. The beauty blender also just like makes this really wonderful finish that's like almost airbrushed. So true. Cost $20. I know. Sorry. I, Cost $20. I, I feel like people like, can really? listen to this podcast and be like, they can see like the subtle way that's like, I'm trying to get Liz to spend money. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't spend that. Okay. I was like, I looked at the lady, the, the uh, Sephora rep, and I asked where it was. And then I looked at it and I'm like, you know how like when you you were interested in something, you definitely wanted to buy it, but then you see the price know, and then I, you're like, nah, you're like, never mind. You sort of involuntarily, so like, you do that face yeah. to like, oh, well, let me look at it at a different angle. Know, like, let me just look at it until she walks you're not, away. You're not looking at it because like you can't afford it. Like you're trying to pretend And that... you put that crap right back. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, maybe this doesn't really work. Like you're trying to make this excuse so you could like save face a little bit. Yeah, you do like the looks. <laughs> <laughs> but do we really do this, huh? Yes. I was like, I, I, I said, oh, I'm going to take a picture. And I'm talking out loud like someone's actually listening. Like, well, let's just take a picture. Because maybe I'll convince myself that that's worthwhile. I know it is, but I just can't get over it. I think if I actually bought today every product she used on my face, it would be like over $100. Oh, yeah, for sure. And the thing about it is, is that that's a huge investment. Because, one, I'm not going to do this to myself every day. Two... She actually has training. <laughs> I'm not, I, you know, I mean, I think over time I will. I mean, it's a really great thing. It's a great finish. I really like the product. I did get the Lancome um, foundation and it's like medium to full coverage. I really like it. I do have blemishes on my face and it was super cool to see like these dark spots just kind of go away completely. Like, And I've been wearing it all day. I even, I did fall asleep in this and mm-hmm. it's still here. It's really great. I was going to say, though, um, of course, she has training, but one of the wonderful things with the rise of the internet is I've been so happy that there have mm. been so many, like, women of color beauty bloggers, like, of, yeah. like, from, like, um, women with very dark skin to, like, Asians with mono lids or exactly. uneven lids. And, like, the way that has, has really opened the playing field has been so wonderful. So, for, for me growing up, um, I, liked, I actually did read, there's a bunch of iconic beauty books 
like by like Kevin O'Coin and Bobby Brown mm-hmm. and other people. And like no one knows how to do Asian eyes because usually when it came to Asian eyes, they just be like, oh, well, don't yeah. pretend to t-. like. And so they they're trying to be relatively progressive because they're like, oh, don't try to like make a a lid like like a you know a, t- a typical type of like drawing on like a white type of eyelid, say on on an Asian eye. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to be like pretty accommodating, but like they didn't know what to do other than like putting like a simple wash of color mm-hmm. and maybe some mascara. And like yeah, and like all the tutorials for doing eye makeup were always for people with non-Asian eyes and that was very mm-hmm. frustrating and for a long time I didn't do eyeshadow for that reason but now this whole other world yeah so how did up. you like what what resources did you use to how did you learn how to do your eyes in a way that was flattering for your eyes well I guess well I think my signature everyday look is that I always do a, a liquid cat eye I've been doing this like I did like just pencil black back black eyeliner in like high school then through university, mm-hmm. then I transitioned to, to liquid because I found it, it just worked better. And then I like made a cat eye and like now you like everyone wears, wears a cat eye, but. Yep. Adele. Yeah. Adele's stealing she my style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely mm-hmm. like I, there's a whole bunch of different um, Asian, Asian beauty bloggers who like are Vietnamese like or Filipino. You, can you list any? Hmm. <clears throat> well, I mean, Michelle Fan is. You don't have to. One, it's just like. Oh, who? Michelle Fan. Okay. Because she's like, well, she's the makeup girl on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other like smaller Asian beauty bloggers and like skincare bloggers doing like Korean skincare and stuff like that. Ooh, I wanted to also like bring up at some point, like, so I'm really getting into Asian beauty brands, like Korean and Japanese skincare. And what's really fantastic mm-hmm. is that um, there's actually a lot of Asian Americans and African Americans who are collaborating in their skincare blogs over Asian skincare. Really? Yeah, this is something that is really interesting. So, like, there's actually this um, beauty, Korean beauty book that just came out with two um, major of these major bloggers on the cover. One of them, I think, sh- uh, she's Asian American, maybe Korean. The other one is African American, and they're friends and they have mm-hmm. their own blogs. And they decide to put together the, like this um, book on introducing, like, talking about Korean beauty products, but also talking about like the importance of what it meant. Like, say, as an Asian American woman growing up and not really having products suited for you and suddenly, like, having that available. But that mm-hmm. there's something about the, the mentality of Asian beauty products that is so more customizable to so many different skin types. So there's actually a lot of darker skin, uh, dark skin women that I've seen in the um, in the Asian beauty blogging sphere. Um, so a lot of African-American mm-hmm. women, a lot, um, a lot of uh, uh, Desi women and so forth. And they find, and that, I guess, yeah, you're saying that it's it's not just because it's not that the products benefit like people of Asian descent and African American or African descent have similar skin color, but the way that people yeah. structure, yeah, like this pattern, how they like make all these skin products, products that is more attentive that isn't like the Western way of approaching skincare is very harsh. Like you know, you have to like just clean all the crap out, and it's like really harsh and irritating. But, mm-hmm. like, there's a lot more skincare technology that is being researched, um, say, in Korea. Um, it's, like, multi-step processes, like, paying attention to pH levels and stuff like that. And so the result mm-hmm. is that a lot of people can customize things for themselves and find out what's good for them. And so I think that's why... So you can pick, like, pH 3. Well, you wouldn't pick pH 3. But you would pick something that would fit your skin. Yeah, like, you could customize your own whole routine. Mm. But... Anyways, cool. sorry. I, I Damn it, Zine. Stop making me try to spend money. I know. I'm oh. sorry. This is my addiction lately. Oh. 
I'm sorry. What 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 were we saying before that? Your addiction to yourself. <laughs> this is not a support group. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a support group. Oh, I'm kidding. I love you. But also to to backtrack a little bit, maybe for the sake of our <laughs> listeners, do you want to say which Hermes perfume you have now? Oh God, why would you do that to me? What? You know I can't. I, I thought is that the new one? Is that the Monsieur Lee? Yes, it is. And this is the monsoon one, right? Oh, no. The, the monsoon one is the one that's Indian. The Monsieur... Oh, Louis. the one you called tell me I was racist for. <laughs> so I've gotten every one by uh, the perf... What, it's part of this particular series. Um... Yes. It's a particular series done by Jean-Claude Allen, I think. I hope I'm saying his name right. And uh, Well, actually, he's the only... It's a garden for... series. Yeah, it's the, gar- the Jardin series for our mess. Mm-hmm. But uh, the distinction, Jean-Claude Elena has the distinction of being the only nose, as they're called, that's um, mm-hmm. employed exclusively by one house, which is Hermes, for our yes. listeners. Yes. And uh, Le Jardin de Monsieur Lee. Monsieur. And it's yeah. Monsieur Lee. Yes. See? That's why I don't want to say it out loud. It's okay. It's okay. Sorry. I didn't realize that that's why you, you weren't saying it. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally... Um, Do you want to what describe kind of the smell? Am I? Describe it. It's, it's. Um, I'm smelling myself right now. It's, it's good, but that's not actually a description. So to me, it feels very fresh. Oh, you know what? And all the writing on the box is French. Uh, <laughs> I remember smelling it actually um, in the airport. So every time, like you know, you walk from by a the Chinese part, garden, and. I always like associate the Hermes perfumes with Liz, so I think I remember taking a photo of this one time and like sending oh. it to her. I remember it smelling me out like sort of really fresh and green, almost like the yes. smell like after the rain, kind of. And very light, but but the thing about it is that um, when we say the when we say those words, we're not talking about your Bath and Body Works type of fragrances. Yeah. Like I think everybody starts off with a fragrance, and they usually do like. You know, like that cucumber melon or Peabody or something. Like you start off with like basic fragrances, and maybe you get a fragrance from your favorite, uh, your favorite singer yeah. that they endorsed. And I think some smells are very complex, and some smells can I think be just like, oh, this smells like a fruit, and so you know, like oh, I'm walking around, I'm a walking grape. I'm a walking apple. Yeah, that's very obvious. You know, but but this is very complex. It's very um I think um when I think of the Hermes perfumes, I think of more how it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. So you feel fresh. It's not just like it's a fresh color, like a fresh scent that's going to kind of wash off of you. It's it feels fresh and light. I I get sparkly too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I swear I'm not high. Um, well, I think there's something really magical and so visceral about fragrance. And I think that we're, again... Oh, oh, wait. Oh. There is an English part on here. Okay, so I have the box here. Okay. And it says, Arranged around bodies of water that reflect the flowers, bamboo, and rocks around them, this world in miniature blurs the boundaries between the real and the imaginary. An evocation of vegetal jasmine. I Forgive me for pronunciation. Um... Kumpot, kumquat, and sap. So an evocation of vegetal 
jasmine, kumquat, and sap, a perfume of awakening and harmony, surprising and inviting. Mm. That's what Hermes says about the perfume. And I would agree. (laughs) (laughs) Really conveying that vegetal jasmine quality. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's one syllable from vegetal. Okay. Yeah, that's not very convinced. See how they're not going to... Yeah. Anyway, I really like it. I've I've always loved this line. Um, They make me happy. Oh, you know what? Mm -hmm. Um, I had this friend that I was seeing in London. And... We were in the store, and then we were I was we were like walking past an Hermes like perfume counter, and then she says, and I said just randomly, oh like that's my favorite perfume, perfumery, and she looks at me, she's like mine too, and we just hugged. <laughs> it was like an awakening, like you, you, Part and I was like clock. yes, me, you too. So people can connect on like liking the same thing and I think this is a different connection or a special connection because it's I don't think everyone likes it you know not everyone's up on it so it makes you feel kind of cool that you like something that also there's something about the exclusivity of of Hermes that that's true that I think which makes me feel awkward sometimes like there's there's a sort of awkward thing aspect of it of course that like Hermes might be more well known to the like to the mainstream public as like the store that shut out Oprah, for example, because they thought that she was one of those. <gasps> sorry, you didn't know. She that? was in an Hermes store. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, the big racist incident that happened. Oh. I'm sorry, I didn't realize you didn't know that. Mm. Like this was the one in Paris too, and they like oh. and they like they kicked her out. Oh, oh. They, they apologized profusely, and like the thing is, like they had even like she had featured uh, their uh, their iconic bag um mm. the birkin bag and as one of her like favorite things and whatever they made a lot of money off of her but then like yeah when she was actually there they, like they kicked her out and like their excuse is something about like oh we've really been concerned about algerians so like this sort of weird racial and colonial aspect in mm. the french context i'm sorry liz no i mean it, i think that's a struggle of any product because especially associated with luxury because like it's usually built on yeah a colonial legacy. And again, I'm, I mean, as I mentioned with the makeup before, as a kid, I just didn't have access to this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it made me super aware of it. And so, I, because I have access now, I do struggle with it because I know that by me talking about this, by this conversation, we're excluding people from this conversation who may not have access Mm-hmm. to be able to participate in this. So it's a completely different story if everyone who listens to this has some money and is like, oh, I'll go check that out. But if someone, it's like, well, who goes to London? Or who goes to, who can buy this? Yeah. Like, I'm just, I just feel acutely aware of that because mm-hmm. I know that where I started, I just didn't have that kind of access and now I do. And I kind of struggle with um, those two worlds, those two parts of myself. And then there's another part of this. Here I am now with the kind of financial capital to participate in this. Mm-hmm. But for all I know, Hermes might be racist. Like, there are definitely, like, as with Oprah or other things, there are definitely places where um, did the people who made the product actually imagine how many people or who would actually fall in love with their product? And then does that in, in any way change the fact that I actually really like it? And should it? And, uh, like, yeah, should I be concerned that 
some store owner, and I don't want to say Hermes, like, is the one who's doing this, but let's, let store X that I really love never meant for certain people or to wear their stuff or they never, they don't hire people who look like me. You, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like, there's this sort of weird thing of that, that you're buying... It's you're literally buying into something that is incredibly problematic against you. Like, on the one hand, like some people might say, like it might be this great, like sign of rebellion to be like, okay, you didn't want me to have this, I'm gonna have it anyway. But still, like you're allowing them to create profit. So there's a way that you're feeding back into that system. Yeah, but also just what does that mean as like on a social, mm-hmm. not just about even a money part, but what does it mean for me to like a product? That may not like me back. Yeah. And then, then, what does it mean for me to now be consuming these products that I was not able to consume before? Mm-hmm. So this is lifestyle creep, and yeah, which I think every, I won't say everyone, but I know that life, this lifestyle creep is, it's not just a perfume thing. It's not just a a makeup thing. It's a probably a lifelong issue for me and for anybody who's ever um switched classes anybody who's ever grown up in poverty and then gotten a big job or, or even somebody who may not have grown up in poverty but they're switching from their parents funding to their funding or or whatever their case may be i'd also yeah there's i think that's like the other side of sephora that because it's so open I think that we can sort of indulge in this fantasy, not just of beauty, but of this type of class passing that we like. It allows us to believe that like we can have access to all these expensive yeah. products and like have this other image of ourselves. Because you can sample, yeah. Like and and I think that like our generation, so millennials, with like as much debt and as many problems as we have, like it's interesting that on the one hand, like treat yourself has become such a mantra. And to some extent, mm-hmm. it shows like sort of the balance between perhaps self-care and consumerism. Because um, yeah. sometimes treat yourself has not just been about like this radical act of self-care, as Audre Lorde talks about, but obviously sometimes also just validating this spending money. But also the flip side is because our generation is so much less likely to like own own property or own cars or whatever mm-hmm. like that. Like at the same time, like we're trying to, I don't know, make life a little bit more livable for, for ourselves given how yeah. bad our economic situation Cause is. Because if I'm being honest, I really shouldn't have bought anything today. Mm-hmm. I just did it despite. <laughs> um, so, well, I think that was a very whole conversation. We talked about makeup. We talked about skin color and colorism and makeup to consumerism. Well, can I just say something, some quick, quick, quick things? Please do. Oh, so I had actually wanted to do this conversation on foundation like a while ago because I had this really weird experience, but... I think at the time, like, mm-hmm. Liz didn't really have, like, something she could talk about. But, like like Liz, <laughs> I've been going to Sephora and, like, getting, like, samples of high-end foundation, but I have not committed uh-huh. to buying any of them. And so mm-hmm. I found this one that's, like, really love, like, has fantastic coverage, but it's really light. Um, it's NARS, the NARS line. Yeah, yeah. But the name of the thing that I'm color matched to on the color IQ thing that suits me perfectly, it's called Punjab. So. Oh. Which is really weird very weird it is weird um Hmm. obviously there's a lot of racial cultural aspects to that and so Mm -hmm. i don't really feel comfortable buying i don't know it's just really weird also yeah and also obviously i'm much paler than 
people from that region as well. Mm-hmm. So there's something really weird, especially because, of course, colorism is a big issue in Asia and um, South Asia in particular and in India. Yeah. So that was just really weird. Also, in case people are listening, my favorite signature perfumes are Tom Ford Black yes. Orchid and recently I really love this Helmet Lang um, unisex You like one. perfumes that make you smell like a man. I do. Like, you like that musk. Yeah, like, I like musk. Like, you, like, you don't want to be in nature, mm. but you like it when you smell like trees and like fire. And... Well, like, the, yeah, like, so the one I really like now is this, <laughs> it's called Chiron, like leather, and it like it smells mm-hmm. like, like sexy leather. And like mm-hmm. Tom Ford Black Orchid is actually a woman's perfume, but it's like really like animalistic and like dark. Like it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Liz does like these, um, like these fruity, like complex fragrance fra- fragrances, and I do like these really. Don't like, say her- fruity. I feel sorry, like they sorry. don't like. They're not like. It's weird because it's like I more think they're sophisticated than when you usually say they're fruity. flowery. Flowery. Okay. Are they flowery? I don't know. I think amber, flowery, those kind of things, but not musk. I don't like yeah, musk. Yeah, like, like, I feel like we're, fragrance-wise, we're on completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, our chemistries are different. <laughs> yeah, like, for me, it's, like, this dark, masculine smells, and you have, like, these, like, airy, ethereal, mm-hmm. yeah. Goddesses. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we're very different types of goddesses. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, this is our... This is the end of the episode, but not the end of PhD Divas. Yeah, so this is like, I guess, <laughs> us talking about, you know, self-care, treating yourself. Perhaps this is more on the diva side of the PhD Diva stuff. Cause this like, is very diva. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think our last couple episodes have been more on the PhD part of it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is Liz. And this is Zine. Dr. Zine, oh, yeah. like first oh, time. Oh, yes, this is my first, our first recording of me after my defense. This is our first PH Divas. Like, we're, like, we're really finally both PH Divas. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. Alright, we're signing out. But if you like our podcast, please, please, please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please leave a review. Um, do those things to like help us bitches. out. Like us. Um, we are begging for likes. And uh, the social internet world. Mm-hmm. You like us. Because we know that you like us in person. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like, subscribe, comment, and we will catch you next time. Okay. Take care. Look after yourself. <laughs>